What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley of the OZ joining me on This Week in Cannabis News. You can find them at okanagancom slash OZ. Keep up to date with all the news in the cannabis world on Twitter at OkanaganZ at Wiley Writer. David, how are things in your beautiful land today? Hello, my friend. Things are good. The sun is shining, and uh, anyone who's got some happy little cannabis plants growing outside, they'll be soaking up those rays today and feeling oh, very happy. Beautiful. Exactly. Uh, sun, water, and space uh, is pretty much what you need uh, to grow the cannabis plant. And uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to canopy growth, a couple of interesting stories we're going to look at this week when it comes to that company. Some comments about the U.S. market from them, but also some massive losses. Yeah, and they kind of work together. You know, canopy growth posted a massive one point. $3 billion fourth quarter loss. Uh, it's Canada's biggest cannabis company and most mostly known, I guess, for their Tweed label. And they released their, uh, their quarterly and their year-end update recently, just shocking investors with the news. And stocks were down immediately 20-25% in trading after that. Um, so it, it was a big surprise, especially in light of the fact that cannabis sales have been enormous with COVID-19. Uh, a lot of stores seeing record sales and uh, Canopy just not cashing in on that. Their CEO, David Klein, he said that uh, the company is going to be resetting its strategic focus and the Canopy no longer striving to be the first into every market, but rather the best, they say. Uh, they're also planned to become a leading uh, a leading company in consumer insights and product development. Um, we've really seen with cannabis that they're trying to be first everywhere, uh, first with drinks, uh, first with uh, with other products, even oils and soft gels. We've, we've seen them put out just about everything under the sun that can be put out, and you know, really, really leading in that sense. And uh, it seems to be hurting them a little bit. So that strategic refocus is going to look at making sure that they've got really the right products in the right markets. Uh, You know, meanwhile, as this is going on, we've got the Canopy CEO, uh, David Klein, talking to uh, Yahoo Finance Canada, making a bit of a damage control tour almost, it seems. And he's making the remarks that pressure is really mounting in the U.S. right now for the cannabis market to open up at the federal level. And uh, that pressure is coming from states. More and more states are legalizing recreationally. Uh, Nearly every state right now in the U.S. has uh, medical cannabis available for sale. And that's going to create pressure to to have this federal environment and a federal regulatory environment that we see here in Canada. Um, You know, a little bit like the states where we've got to those laws at the national level, uh, and then they differ from province to province. But in the U.S. at the national level, it's just uh, across the board illegal as far as they're concerned. And that causes a lot of problems for companies, uh, particularly in COVID-19. We've talked to, talked before about the access to a bailout money just isn't available. So um, David Klein says that he's seeing uh, signs that we're going to see it uh, legalized that federally as early as 2022 
and uh, possibly at latest 2025. And that's regardless of who's in the White House. He figures that the pressure is going to be strong enough that no matter who is running the country is going to be um, forced really to legalize nationally. Uh, 2022 seems a little early to me uh, i think 2025 or somewhere in between uh, definite possibility but you know it's interesting uh, uh, when you mentioned that they you know they're always trying to be first uh, at canopy growth now they're trying to be best well uh, they were one of the first to get into that uh, uh, american acquisition when you look at uh, they mm-hmm. them picking up acreage holdings well no wonder they're pushing the federal uh, policy change in the United States because they have a lot of money invested in that going federally. That's exactly it. And so the timing of of this message coming from their CEO, it's clear because legalization at the federal level would actually trigger that uh, $3.4 billion U.S. acquisition of acreage. Um, they're, by the way, a New York-based multi-state cannabis company and uh, even have uh, some directors on their board that you might recognize, Brian Mulroney for one. Yeah. Uh, something about a GST, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they also have uh, former uh, Speaker of the Ho- uh, United States uh, House of Representatives, uh, John Boehner, on, uh, on board as well. So they, there's certainly uh, a lot of interest in the U.S. market uh, when it comes to canopy growth, uh, particularly uh, because of those uh, massive fourth quarter losses. Okay, um, uh, from time to time, um, as we should, we are critical of the legalization process. And, you know, there are some things to be critical about, and then there are some things that people just get petty about. And I think it's important to be able to distinguish between the two. Mm-hmm. Writer Sam Riches, he's one of those folks that's uh, had enough with the critics of Canada's cannabis legalization. Uh, he wrote an editorial in the National Post's Growth Op, and he argues that uh, Canada is providing a roadmap to the world. And many are overlooking that fact that we're setting a pace and we're blazing a trail in an industry that just didn't exist only a few years ago. So he targets the Motley Fool story with a headline, Here's How Canada Blew Its Chance to Be a Cannabis Leader. And uh, this article uh, offended him definitely by the tone of his own. It criticizes tight government regulations, overzealous company evaluations, uh, limited deployment of retail options, delayed rollout of infused products that have higher margins, um, startup companies buying huge, huge swaths of land, and, you know, he's saying that, that these aren't necessarily unfounded criticisms, um, but he wants to, to make clear that, uh, that there's context to why these things have happened. And that context largely is really that this industry new and Canada's waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. Uh, you know, undoing cannabis prohibition, ushering in one of the, the most significant changes, really, to public policy in recent history uh, he argues was never going to be easy, and uh, also makes an interesting comparison to Uruguay, the first country to legalize. Uh, compared to them, he says Canada's a, really a cannabis utopia. Um, you know, as for the wins of legalization, uh, the gray market's already lost about thirty percent of its market share. Uh, the cannabis sector's contributed more than eight billion dollars to the national GDP and opened up new research possibilities so that we can better understand the benefits uh, and the harms of the plant. 
So, you know, it's also created a distribution network of safe and regulated products. So, in short, the argument is that we've created the the roadmap here. And, yeah, well, criticism uh, definitely has its place. Uh, At times, we just really need to take a look at the the fact the glass is half full. A hundred percent. There are some uh, common sense mistakes, like not being able to grab a six pack. Um, there are things that (laughs) need to be changed and will change over time, but it's amazing when you, when you, this, this is what happens when I want to get cannabis in Canada, I can either go online and pick what I want, order it ahead, go in, show my ID, click, collect, go and choose from a whole bunch of variety. This is what happens in Uruguay, as you talked about. Uh, you have to register with the government, uh, their identity, buying history, logged via fingerprint scanner before they are able to make a purchase. They are limited to 40 grams a month. I could take 30 with me at one time and can choose between two standardized products offering both of which containing low THC. So when you compare that Canada is uh, definitely a leader. We have a lot to be thankful about. And I am confident that in time, things will um, develop properly. Um, I'm not about to throw the baby out with the bathwater in this, um, but we do have to give a little bit of time. Now, if we're still talking about this in five or six years, then yeah, we we really have some (laughs) some complaints. But I think so far Canada has done a pretty decent job. I, w- I would give uh, definitely a passing grade uh, to to what they have done, and you know, still lots to work on. Absolutely, I look at the the you know drawers of products that I have um, from vapes to flour, a fridge packed with drinks, um, you know, a cupboard of chocolates. I it really is a utopia as far as I'm concerned. Okay, we chatted earlier about how uh, so many states with uh, either legal or or medicinal cannabis um, laws, legalization laws, are are maybe forcing whoever's in uh, the Oval Office to look at legalization. One of the things that they can use in their argument for that is the fact that in some states, the uh, the 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 where there is medical cannabis rally rather uh, the uh, opiate use has dropped significantly. Twenty mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, the the study found that if you want to reduce opioid use, make medical cannabis available to those who need it. Uh, and this comes from a first of its kind study out of Columbia University's Irving Medical Center, and that found that states with active medical marijuana laws saw certain opioid prescription rates drop nearly 20% compared to the prohibition states. Well, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've had surgeries in the past, um, you know, where I have been given opioids, and I can tell you firsthand that uh, once you have them, you don't want to give them up. And if you can make another option available, then it's, it's going to solve a lot of pain down the line. Now, there's been a lot of discussion in Canada about cannabis and how it may help alleviate um, you know, the opioid crisis here at home in Canada, particularly in BC, where anyone who's seen pictures of the downtown east side of Vancouver know that this hits hard and it's uh, an awful sight when you're dealing with addictions issues. Now, daily cannabis use here has been found, according to uh, at least one study, to reduce opioid use in Vancouver. Uh, and, you know, across the border, 
they're they're just as susceptible as we are. Drug overdoses remain a leading cause of injury-related deaths in the U.S. Uh, The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that 68% of those deaths involve illicit or prescription opioids. So uh, as reported by Marijuana Moments, this new study examines opioid prescriptions that are made specifically by orthopedic surgeons, um, who it notes are actually the nation's third highest prescribers of opioids. So it doesn't necessarily support a direct causal relationship, but it does show, just according to the straight numbers, that in those states that have uh, you know medical cannabis available, that people are relying significantly less on opioids. Hmm. Well, that is uh, certainly good news. Uh, anytime we can bring down uh, anything when it comes to the percentage of opiate use uh, in this country or any other country, uh, you, you know, it, it's a bonus. And when you can do it with something as natural and non-addictive um, as uh, cannabis, um, uh, it's it's even better. So uh, another reason to love cannabis, and and I think that the studies that are ongoing and will on go will go on are uh, some of the best reasons why we have legalization because it's going to open up so many eyes uh, to the benefits of this plant and 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 cannabis um, you know we, we talk about uh, the ups and downs when you look at cannabis as a cash crop uh, it is certainly proving to be that so far according to statistics Canada actually netted about 2.3 billion dollars <laughs> of farm cash receipts in 2019. And that's a massive step up from the $564 million the year before. So the, uh, the, the throw some, some strange terms out here, but the realized net income, uh, as it's put, of Canadian agricultural producers actually rose for the first time in three years up 10.4%, which is massive, um, to $4.9 billion in 2019. So iPolitics, uh, which is a publication here in Canada, they're reporting that this is kind of a bit of a buzzkill in some ways. And uh, their source, Kathy Holtzlander, who's the Director of Research and Policy at the National Farmers Union, now she says that cannabis sales actually seem to paint a rosier picture of Canadian farming uh, than it actually is out there. The industry is struggling overall. And when you mix cannabis uh, into, this, into these statistics, um, Holtzlander points out, that uh, that it skews the numbers a bit, and if you take cannabis out, then it would show that there's actually a one percent decrease uh, in these receipts. So it's kind of misleading when it comes to the to the farming and agricultural community overall. Um, but really interesting to see how cannabis uh, farming has grown. And if you if you look at uh, where the realized net income was recorded. In Alberta, it's up $425 million. Quebec, you're up $373 million. BC, seeing a $102 million increase. And these are places where cannabis is actually a big crop and grown. Uh, there's a lot of growing operations. Uh, those smaller decreases we're seeing in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, I'm generally relying more on traditional kinds of farming. So, uh, fun fact. Cannabis is actually now is worth about one quarter of what Canada's biggest crop, uh, which is canola. So it's, it's really stepping up, and we're going to be seeing that increase over time. 
as we're seeing a lot more outdoor operations happening and and uh, and as we're seeing the industry increase. And you know, we're talking about the U.S. opening up its market, and that's really going to, to create a pull on Canadian products. As cannabis becomes more and more common around the world and accepted, uh, Canada, again, truly a trail of, trailblazer, and there's going to be a demand around the world for our products, which are going to be just top of the line. What I'm really interested uh, about this, David, is watching this. Um, I think this is from uh, 2019. So watching this grow in uh, 2020, 2022, 2024, 2025, to see where cannabis is uh, in in relation to some of the other crops and to see if some of the other farmers that are going to be saying, okay, this that I'm working right here, uh, this is not working this over here, this farmer is doing this cannabis. He is working. So it'll be interesting to see how much the percentage of uh, cannabis receipts uh, income there is, but also the amount of people growing cannabis because they're seeing what is working. Yeah. Being in the Okanagan, it's fascinating to see uh, orchardists in particular who are pulling up different types of apples and planting other types of apples. Uh, pulling up, um, you know, cherry trees and putting in grapevines. So it'll be fascinating to see the way that that evolves and what crops start to get pulled in order to make way um, to grow cannabis and hemp. Yeah, it'll be uh, fascinating uh, to watch as uh, there are many, many uh, optimistic things about the uh, cannabis industry david thanks as always for joining me uh, you can find out more information about the oz at okanaganz.com slash oz you can follow them on twitter at okanaganz and at wiley Ryder. enjoy the sunshine david have a great weekend great to talk to you Dean. you too